your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Now, we've been hearing about the rise of the sharing economy represented by the likes of Uber and Airbnb, but in Korea, they'd not really been accepted. We've heard, I'm sure, plenty of controversies uh, besides. But um, as of last week, there was a change. The government here made its first step towards accepting and nurturing the sharing economy to create jobs, to promote investment, this was all announced by the president, uh, or at least at a meeting presided over by Park Geun-hye. And so the announcement uh, last Wednesday was this, that sharing accommodation would be legal in Busan, Gangwon province and Jeju Island, a regulation-free zone, as a pilot project. As a result, complex registration procedures will be simplified. The government aims to spread this deregulation nationwide by next year. Although... You know, it's somewhat complicated by the fact that plenty of people are already taking advantage of the sharing economy here, possibly below the radar then. Uh, but uh, let's bring in Professor Vadim Grinovich of Strategy and Innovation Southampton Business School for a, a wider look at the sharing economy. Good morning to you. Um, good morning, your other. Good, yeah, good evening. Yeah, very light night in Vienna at the moment. Uh, well, thank you very much for, for joining us. So you're away from Southampton and Vienna at the moment? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I hope you're enjoying your time there, and thank you for joining us so late. Uh, tell us how you would almost define the sharing economy, because almost by definition it's so broad that uh, it defies that sort of explanation, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very broad. I should say that the sharing economy is something we have always been very much familiar with. Many of us stayed in flats and houses of our friends and colleagues when traveling. Many of us were given a lift by friends, colleagues, and even strangers. Uh, we may sometimes ask our neighbors to help us with childcare. Or we may sometimes borrow some DIY tools from them. And there are many, many more examples of sharing like that. What makes the current sharing economy very special is new digital technologies and digital platforms, which make it possible to scale all those isolated instances of sharing we have all experienced before um, and help us share uh, the things and skills with strangers on a regional level, national level, and international level. So sharing with strangers at a large scale make the sharing economy a new phenomenon. And on the operational level, a sharing economy business represents a relatively simple thing. It's a digital platform uh, similar to a dating site, uh, which brings together those who have something, idle resources or redundant resources and assets with those who, who, need, who need them. Yeah, I mean, from everything to, from, from ordering takeaways to to organizing accommodation, to sharing one's time uh, and, and uh, booking what is effectively a glorified taxi. We've seen the expansion, the rapid expansion of the sharing economy, even banking through financial technology or fintech uh, and, and crowdfunding. We're seeing money under threat, uh, the traditional notions anyway of uh, borrowing and, and lending. 
and maybe we can touch on some of those phenomena. But this all draws us into the business aspect of this. What's in it for the companies? How do they make their money if most of us are signing up to these services free of charge? Uh, well, it's a digital platform, and, um, uh, it, and it is a two-sided platform. It has a demand side and, and, uh, and the supply side. And the trick for, the, for any platform is to, is to decide which side to charge. Uh, and it depends on, on the market situation first. Um, so it, uh, the key, the trick again for, the, um, for, for any platform to, to have a balanced supply and demand. So if, if supply, uh, if you have more on supply side, uh, it is rather supply side will be, which will be charged more and the other way around. Um, it can be also reflected in the, in the web, um, web design and, and uh, uh, in the extent to which it is um, uh, more, um, in the extent to which it is uh, easy or difficult to register uh, for the platform service as a user, uh, as a provider, or as a, as a, as a consumer. So, so if you find it more difficult to register as a, as a consumer, in that case, a particular platform has too many, uh, too many users on the demand side. And obviously, if that platform has nothing uh, to provide, to those potential um, pot, uh, potential you pot, potential consumers, it will try to restrict the number of potential um, registered uh, customers. Um, so this is how it works on a technical level. I mean, if if, if you ask me that particular question, is the true sharing economy though, or the true sharing side of it, when the power is really with the people to? to divide up what they are willing to offer and, and what they need themselves. I mean, something like Time Bank, which is a fascinating initiative in which you know, time is of the same value. Uh, you could say that you're available to teach somebody yoga for an hour, but what you need is um, somebody to come and uh, build some furniture. And, you know, your hour of yoga is the same value as the hour of building furniture because you're just swapping that time, you're sharing that time, uh, and, and no money exchanges hands. But that, that sort of undermines the business enterprise, doesn't it? Uh, it does um, to a certain extent, but at the same time, we have to uh, remember that sharing economy uh, is largely market-driven. So it's a marketplace which brings together um, those who have resources and, uh, and those who need that need 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 access to that resource, uh, and the same applies to time to time banks. It is the market which decides uh, how to to relate time uh, spent on on assembling furniture relative to time spent on more intellectual uh, intellectual work. Right. Are there great concerns, though, about what happens when certain companies become dominant? Because when we're dealing with strangers, there is this trust issue. And rightly or wrongly, when that stranger is offering, say, accommodation or a driving service, 
through a big name that uh, feels trustworthy, it's likely to be more successful than smaller competitors. Uh, and, and so even in something uh, that sounds altruistic, almost like the, the sharing economy, we can, we can end up with virtual monopolies. Do, do governments need to step in at that point? Um, in my opinion, the monopoly fears are a bit, a bit exaggerated. The platform technologies are becoming more and more accessible. It's not a rocket science anymore. And uh, also the first move advantage is relatively limited. Um, it's more likely you may have a late move advantage. Look, uh, for instance, at the Chinese um, uh, Didi Koaiji platform, who is successfully competing with Uber these days. Um, also, what is interesting about sharing economy businesses and their services is that they are geographically specific, based on local knowledge of local institutions and local behavior. What about... Which should lead I just yeah. want to jump in because we're almost out of time, but what about on the other side of that, speaking of local behaviour, if you've got a scenario where the local government is jumping in so much that it's wary of these big international companies who seem to be doing too well and they want to create their own local competitors, C can they go too far? Um, I think uh, what is... Uh uh, uh, with local government, definitely there is a room. Uh, there is a room for re for regulation. Sharing platforms are currently operating in in, in sectors which are regulated, and uh, and uh, those sectors are regulated for a good reason because uh, uh, there are market failures and. Uh, Sharing economy is not immune from those markets, uh, market failures. Um, but what is important, I think, on the government side is to encourage competition. So if you, I know that uh, South Korea doesn't let Uber yet, but I, in my view, probably this is one of the best places where Uber can, can be challenged by local companies and also Chinese Didi Kuaidi I mentioned before. Mm. Uh, uh, and uh, definitely also I've heard about South Korea that um, local government is encouraging um, schemes uh, which, uh, where platforms are owned and controlled by, by the platform users. I think it's related to accommodation sector. Why not extend it to car sharing? So uh, my answer is yes, this sector is already regulated. And it is regulated for the reason. And that, that type of regulation related to safety, um, uh, to safety um, requirements, and um, uh, have to be have to be have to be there but the government has to work with um, sharing platforms together yeah. and take advantage of the willingness of those platforms to work with the government because remember the sharing platforms are still niche and they're trying to be attractive to uh, to mainstream customers and one way to be attractive is to represent themselves uh, as a business which provides at least um, you know, at least some, I mean, certain standard of, of safety, for instance, which would be acceptable for yeah. mainstream customers. Well, especially and, when we're uh, getting into the house or the car of a, of a stranger. Professor Grinovich, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for, for inviting me. Vadim Grinovich from Vienna, but also more regularly of Southampton Business School. And...
again, we welcome your thoughts. Pounder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message. What do you think uh, about the sharing economy in Korea? Does the government need to loosen the shackles a bit further? Does uh, regulation look a bit too much like protectionism at times? You can email us, efmthismorning at gmail.com.